All right, let's jump in. I just got a few minutes. Uh, that's on 40. I'm going to try to take 30 today and get out of here real quick. So today we start a new series entitled Own the Vision. Own the Vision. Look at your neighbor and say, Own the Vision. Yeah, so let's pray together and we'll jump in. Father, thank you for this moment. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would refresh the vision and the mission of this church, that you would cause it to be vivid, a very warm flame right now in our hearts. I ask, Lord, that you would restore the joy of our birth. I ask that you would blow a fresh wind through our church. I pray, God, that you would renew and bring more vigor, reignite those who are serving. I ask God that you'll refresh them in their personal and their private lives. I ask God that you would give them a fresh zeal for all that you've called this church to do. So I ask you, Lord, that you'll speak to us today, that you would cause our hearts to be softened, that what you say would stick to our hearts. We will not only see, but own the vision that you have for this local assembly at Christ Center Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again to all of our first-time visitors. Thank you. Our first-time guests, thank you for being here today, and we honor you. So I want to say that Christ Center Church, I don't use the language, or very seldom do I use the language my church, even when I talk to pastors and uh, people who serve in ministry or may work in, in ministry every day full time. I try not to use the language my church. At my church, we do so and so. And I don't use that language because, number one, I don't want to ever forget that this is our church. All right? I don't ever want others to hear and think that the pastor claims it all, so then the pastor has to do it all. I don't, I don't believe in that. Now, I know you would probably think what you would say, you don't ever want to forget that the church is God's. I'll never forget that. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? This is his church. But I do want you to understand that the church belongs to God by ownership. Okay? It belongs to us by membership. It belongs to the pastor by stewardship. So we can all use the language, my church, and I, I definitely welcome you to use that. But I try not to use that language personally because I want to always remember that I cannot do it by myself and we are a team effort. It is my heart's desire that we all embrace the fact that we're a team. And so my heart is uh, especially, especially open to those that serve because they, here at Christ Center, because we set up and break down every week, that is definitely a job, and I appreciate those who give their Sundays to serve here at Christ Center, you know, volunteer, and so that's major. We could not do what we do without you, with the salvations that we have, with the membership or the guests, or the membership that we have, and the visitorship that we have. We could not do it without those who set up. This stage team is amazing. They do it every week. Vince, and the team that works with Vince, Elder Vince, they do it every week. And so I am grateful for everybody that sets up CCK. And so today, as we launch in this series, this series is going to remind us of who we are. And I do this once a year uh, for those who are new coming in and may not have gone through Power Track. You get all this in Power Track as well. 
but I think some of us need to be reminded of who we are. In Revelations chapter 2, Jesus says to a church, I have one thing against you, and that one thing is you have left your first love. And so we have to make sure that as followers of Christ, that we go back to what we were called to do. Andre Crouch did a song, take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first believed you. So that's important because sometimes the world woos us away and we find ourselves afar off from Christ or afar off from the moment of salvation. Now think about it. When you first got saved, you were listening to all the CDs and always listening to sermons. Tapes was all in your car. Now you're 20 years. We don't do tapes anymore, not even doing CDs much. And how much do you listen to the Word now? You know, when you first got saved, you were praying in the Holy Ghost. I remember praying in the Holy Ghost, sitting in traffic. When I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was sitting in my car. I had a Mazda GLC. with uh, It was a, a, a five-speed, and I was navigating traffic in Atlanta with two feet clutch, you know, clutch you try to, because you know when you're good, you don't have to touch the brake when you know how to manage that clutch. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I was sitting in traffic praying in the Holy Ghost because I was excited about having God and having his Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And so it's important that we remember those days and we come back to those days. So here's what I'm asking everybody to do. Y'all ready? I'm asking everybody to join me starting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. from 6 a.m. to noon, fast, half-day fast, 6 a.m. to noon, half-day fast, just water. If your medicine does not allow you to do that, adjust. Do what you have to do for that. How many people willing to join me with that? We got to get back. We got to get back. Listen, we can't just visit. We got to get back. We can't, we can't get to third base and play off base. Y'all hear what I'm saying? For you baseball players, you know what I'm saying. You got to be real good to play off base. And I've seen baseball games where we lose 15 minutes because the pitcher is watching because the third baseman or the second baseman wants to play off base. And so they go back and forth, back and forth, trying to get, see who's going to be faster. And eventually, if you play off base long enough, somebody's out. And I want to say to you, you can't play off base. We got to get back to where we started. So let's start here today. What we say every week, our vision, the vision of Christ-centered church is that Christ-centered church empowers people to replace a self-centered life with a Christ-centered life. That is major work. I got to be honest with you. Had I really had an option in this, I probably would not have named our church this. <coughs> I, did not have a, I didn't have an option. I was sitting in chapel one day. Uh, Pastor Rodney and I were sitting in chapel at Beulah Heights. At that time, it was Beulah Heights Bible College. It's Beulah Heights University now. And so there was a man preaching. I can't even remember who it was. But as he was talking, he, was, he said something, and he said, um, living in a Christ-centered way. And when I tell you, my heart was arrested. And like everything in the room just vanished. And the Lord said to me, that's the name of the church, Christ-centered church. Now, I would have loved to have had time to think about it and negotiate with him because replacing a self-centered life with a Christ-centered life is not easy. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to lead a group of people trying to do it. You know what I'm saying? You get cussed out. You know you get cussed out when you're trying to get people to, like, 
forget self and live for Christ, you get cussed out. You get fussed out. People get mad at you because that's the job. That's the job of our church. And the thing about it is having a church that wants to be uh, a Christ-first culture is not easy in a self-centered culture. And that's the culture that we have. Everything in our culture tells you to get what you can. It's yours. It's all about you. Focus on you. That is the culture that our society promotes. All right? Now, while I do believe in empowerment, self-empowerment, you got to believe in you. I believe in all of that. But if Christ is to be number one, then you have to make Christ number one in all things. Everybody say all things. All things. So that's not easy but it is doable. Say it's doable. doable. Yeah, it's doable, but it takes intentionality. You have to intentionally put Christ first. It is not about just wearing the bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? It is about really trying to ask yourself the question at the moment. So you really have to go into warp mode. Uh, what is that movie? What's the movie? Uh, Keanu Reeves. What is that? The Matrix. You got to go into Matrix mode sometimes when the cuss man is on his way, you got to put everything in warp mode and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? So then when you just about to go there on them, you got to go there. And so then you got to pull it back and say, Jesus wouldn't say that. You know what I'm saying? And so you live most of your life in warp mode because you're going to always fight you. Paul says it like this, the good I would do, I don't do that. The stuff that I wouldn't do, that's what I'm doing. Oh, wicked man that I am. He asked the question, who will save me from this wretched situation? He goes on to ask, answer the question and says, it's Jesus that's going to save me. So it is Jesus that's going to help you and, and put that, that uh, it's the button, it's a pause button in your life that says, hey, 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 hold on. Before you go there, let's back off. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let love ride opposed to you riding. I was watching this movie yesterday called Upgrade. And I don't know if it ever been in the, you seen, you seen that? You saw it yesterday? I saw it yesterday, Upgrade. It's really interesting that this man, long story short, this guy was in a wreck and he became, becomes a, quad, a quadriplegic, quadriplegic. And so this other guy, uh, technology guy, has this chip that could control anything even the mind or the body. So he does this surgery, puts this chip in this guy who could not move, puts the chip in, and the chip causes him to move. So, and the chip starts talking to him and telling him, hey, you're not in control, I'm in control. Now, I, I know, I know I'm inside of you, and your brain is supposed to be telling your arm what to do, but really I'm telling your arm what to do, and if it wasn't for me, you would not be able to move. So the premise, the premise of the whole movie was that there was this... Uh, this man who was just trying to kind of put his technology out there, but his technology had a mind of his own. Now, it was crazy on then, but the Holy Spirit is really supposed to work that way in us. Let the Holy Spirit rise up in us and take control. Holy Spirit, the natural me, wants to fight right now. And then the Holy Spirit will say, yeah, but you're not in control. For you to live as Christ and your benefit is when you die, you go to heaven. Let me take it, and we won't do that. As a matter of fact, let's pray. I know nobody thinks like that, 
We pray, we pray after we cuss. We pray after we swing. We pray after we flip the bird on highway. Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you done flipped it now. So it's good. It's good to have the conscience that comes behind, but we try to mature to where the Holy Spirit gets in front. Y'all hear what I'm saying? That's how we try to mature. And it is an ongoing process. I want to make sure you're here, that you're hearing me when I say this. God is not looking for perfection. He is looking for maturity. Okay? Because if he expected for you to be perfect, you wouldn't have the need for repentance. That's why, it's in, that's why that's in motion. That's a part of our systematic theology, that we can repent for our sins because it happens daily. Paul said, I die daily. I got to kill my flesh daily. Paul said it, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He had one of the greatest uh, theological minds ever walked the earth, but he said, I got to beat my flesh back every day lest I preach to y'all and still go to hell. You see? So God's not looking for, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for you to be yielded enough to mature in your faith. Are y'all with me? Okay. So I started all that by saying, <laughs> by saying that it ain't easy having a Christ-centered culture in a self-centered world. But I do believe that the Lord is helping us because I've walked with many of you for a long time. And not just you, we all are maturing to a Christ-first mindset in our lives. It is a day-to-day -day process. So I commend you. I commend you, those who are saying, you know, Pastor, back in the day, I would have said so-and-so. Back in the day, I would have left. Back in the day, I would have, I would have. And you're still here. You're still there. You're not doing what you used to do. And I applaud you for maturing in this self-centered world, but in a Christ-centered way. So can you give yourselves a hand for that? So our vision, our end game is to empower and to have a Christ-centered culture, all right? Not just here, but even in the world through which we matriculate. So our vision is that. Our mission, how we get it done. We get it done uh, three ways. We worship, we, wor we work, and we win. That's what we do. The mission of Christ Center Church is to worship, work, and win. When we worship, we pursue a more intimate relationship uh, with God through scriptural study, continual prayer, sacrificial praise, and true worship. That's why our, our worship at the beginning of our services is intense, and we try to have some structure with it, but we're always very free, and we tell the Holy Spirit, even in our prayer, do what you want to do. We have an agenda, but we don't have to stick to that. We just want to be orderly. But should you come in and say, I want to stay here and worship me a little bit longer so I can touch the hearts of people and do more, we are okay with that because we believe that people who put Christ first worship a lot. <laughs> Listen, in order for Christ to stay first, you got to worship a lot got to worship a lot. Sometimes you cry. Sometimes you're just quiet because you need to feel his presence because I need you to stay first. I need you to stay first. Worship puts us closer to God and brings God closer to us. That's what worship does. And so our culture here is a very uh, heavy worship culture because we believe that worship is paramount 
to having a Christ-centered life. All right, so we worship, we work. Um, when we work, we partner with God and the community to establish a Christ-centered culture locally, nationally, and internationally. I believe that as we help other people, we are showing them that this is what Christ would do. Christ helped. Christ gave. He blessed. So that's what we're supposed to do. We should be a blessing to people. And so we partner with the community to do that. We also win. And in order to win, we proclaim the gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ to win, potential heirs of salvation, and advance the kingdom of God. Um, we are, this year, we're going to, I'm going to call for your voice a little more to spread the message of Christ and of Christ-centered church. Um, last week when Pastor Matt was here, and we should be uh, having that sermon up in our podcast and on our video, uh, video wall soon on our website so that you can hear that thing. He was talking about the fact that we are the redeemed, and with the redeemed, two things happen. We should be saying something, and we should be doing something. And so this year, I'm going to be calling for your voice a little bit more. Christ-centered church, Christ and Christ-centered church needs to be in your network. Hear me. Hear me. I don't come against what anybody, I don't come against what you do, where you work. If you, listen, if you work at, uh, at uh, what's the name of that strip club downtown? That's, that's what is it? Magic City. If you, wait a minute. No, just kidding. Just kidding. If you work in Magic City, it ain't against the law. It's legit. You work in Magic City, work in Magic City. But at Magic City, somebody should know about Christ, and somebody should know about Christ in the church at Magic City. Look how y'all looking at me. Don't play me. I will have a stripper's day at Christ Center Church to be able to preach the gospel. See, it's amazing because, you know, people come. <laughs> at you. I ain't heard you say amen all day. <laughs> at you, ain't right. You ain't right. But it, here's, here's what's amazing. We judge what people do, but we don't give them a viable option. So I can't, I can't come against the lady on the table if I don't give her a viable option to come off the table. Listen, and the option just can't be spiritual. You can't be like, come on down here, Jesus will save you. She say, okay, after I'm saved, we're going to pay my rent. She say, after, I, after I'm saved, I got kids. Who's going to pay for them? I mean, come on, I, I, I want to get saved and all, but come on, I'm bringing, I'm bringing in a couple of, I'm about three, five, five, six hundred dollars a night. Who, who going to help me there? You understand what I'm saying? So we got to give people viable options for living this Christ-centered life. And see, they need to hear a message first. So that's what I'm saying. I don't care. Whatever your thing is, tell me. Come tell me and let's work it out. How can we have whatever your thing? Well, you know, I, I work at the Tennis Association. We'll have a tennis day. I'll come in here in, 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 in a... Uh, in a <laughs> I'll come here in a Serena Williams cat suit. Just so I can share the message of Christ. Because that's what we do. And so I'm going to be calling on you. And I need you to own the vision. I need you to own the vision. Care about what happens in the life of somebody else enough to share Jesus and to share what happens here at Christ in the church. Shoot, I'm proud of this. 
I'm proud of the message that comes across this stage, whether it's me or any of our, uh, our preaching pastors. I am proud of what happens here. I'm proud of our worship. I'm proud of the quality, that ha- the quality of service that happens here. And I believe other people should be able to feel the love, get genuine hugs, because that's what we do here. We hug people genuinely. And so I believe that everybody should hear this. And I'm going to call on you because you have a network. You have friends that I don't know. But you have friends that need to know me. Oh, I can't get no talk right there. You'd be like, yeah, Pastor, you know one of my friends met you one day. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They need to know what happens here in the life of this church. So we partner, we worship, we work, we win, and we share the message. So here's the four things that we do at Christ Center Church in in case you've not gone to power track and you don't know. We have a four-part power system here at Christ Center Church, because for those of you who don't know, hey, 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 Christina, would you put uh, our logo up for a second? And the reason we empower, it all works the same way, because this C with the, with the arrow in it, if you turn it straight up, it is the universal power symbol. So when you look at your computer, you'll see that power symbol on your computer. Well, when you turn your computer to the side, it's Christ Center Church. Christ Center is with you everywhere. You can't even log on without him. You just don't know it. You just didn't know it. That's what that is. That's, in, that's intentional. Because not only are we Christ-centered, but when Christ comes in, he empowers. It is that power button. So we have a four-part power system here at Christ Center Church, and that power system is, number one, weekly services. That's what happens here. It's our weekend service. It's our uh, reload on Wednesday nights. Then we have power groups. Power groups are important. Power groups in other churches, they call them small groups or life groups or connect groups. We have power groups here that meet uh, a couple of times a month, and next Sunday we'll be doing, I think it's next Sunday is the power group rally next Sunday out here, where you can connect with a group. Listen, I believe that growth happens in groups. You get nuggets to chew on here, but maturation, accountability happens in power groups. I don't believe we're doing power groups enough. Let me say this to you. If you're a part of a community group that's not Christ-centered, fine, but don't let them have, don't let us, Christ-centered church, have groups here that's Christ-based and you don't come. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's amazing to me how we give our time, our money, our effort to things outside of Christ, but you can't call them when your life is going to hell. Yeah, okay. Come on, you don't pray in the name of Deltas. You don't pray in the name of uh, AKAs. You don't pray in the name of your cigar club of your bike club, of your running club, of your tennis club. You don't pray in their names. And if you did, what would happen? What could they do? Nothing. You call on the name of Jesus. And this, the church, is the only community that God stamps his name on. Jesus says, I'll build my church. Upon this rock, he said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against that. Now, you know, you know when, I, when I read the text, I read the text all the way around, because Jesus says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. They may prevail against some other stuff. And I want to always have my hand connected 
to what the devil can't prevail against. Because he's going to try. And I need to have my hand on, hey, 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 uh, 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 uh. it's like freeze tag. I got to get on base. That's why I'm saying you can't play too far from base. That's the kind of stuff we try to play with the devil. We be like, the devil be like, come on, come on. Like, uh, 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 I'm, I'm on base. Then he be like, I'm not on base. I'm on base. And that one time you're not on base and you trip going back, he was like, got you. You got to keep your hands on base. Plus, if your hands on base, you can't get into stuff that you shouldn't. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? Because now the devil set up stuff ain't far from base. You got to keep your hand on base. And that's what the church does. So we have, we have power groups here that we'd like for you to be a part of. We also have Power Track. Power Track is our matriculation system that uh, just four Sundays. We used to, back in the day, have a new members orientation. That was about 11 weeks. We have four weeks now, first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday. And I do the first Sunday segment of that. It talks about our church and, and what happens, but there's only four, and it's just that cycle. So at any point, if you say, well, Pastor, I was out of town second Sunday, that's all right, second Sunday, come back around, jump back in, get that class, you're done. And so those classes help us. So we also have the power team. The power team is the team that makes it all happen. Many of you, if we are, uh, if you're a first-time guest, you hugged some of our power team coming in. So the power team is broken down into different sub-teams, but it is one power team. And this power team really does give us power to do everything we need to do here at Christ Center Church. So if you're not a part of a power team, get, a, get on. We need you. We need your hands. We need your thoughts. We need your mind. We need you to own the vision. All right, so in the last 14 minutes that I have left, I want to go back to, um, the Lord told me this time as we deal with this uh, vision series that he said, Tim, I want you to go back to the basics. So the basics, I want you to see our foundational scripture, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Our foundational scripture is Colossians 1.18. This is the scripture that our church was built upon, established upon. All right? Verse 18 says, he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, in that all things he may have preeminence. christ the church is established so that Christ can have preeminence in our lives. Here's what I believe. I believe that if Christ had preeminence in the world today, some of the stuff that we deal with, wrestle with, fight against, mad about, would not exist. However, I want to show you something in the text that I will hope will give you some relief in today's system. Today's worldly system is frustrating, okay? Regardless of how you voted or what your parties are, you know, the bottom line is we got, frustrate, we got frustrated Republicans now with a Republican president. So now I don't know that party lines matter because frustration is frustration. And so I think what we're finding out now is that there are some things that unify us just like there are things that separate us. Okay, political parties separates, but frustration unifies. And so many are frustrated. Um, there are many who through the government shutdown are not so happy. Unhappiness unifies, okay? So there's a lot of things that unify us, 
And I believe that if Christ was the center, if we push him more, we can be unified around the cause of Christ and the solutions that Christ bring to a frustrated world. So I want to go to uh, Colossians 1, verse 15. I want to start there today. So I want to read this text, bring us into it a little bit, give you a few nuggets that's going to help us own the vision and live this out, and uh, we'll go home. So Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and there's some great heresy happening in Colossae, and that he is kind of writing some theological uh, foundation for them as he goes through the whole chapter, or should, should I say the whole book of Colossians, to uh, help, un- help them get some, some footing, some uh, theological footing. So some of them did not believe, or there was a, a heretic that did not believe that Jesus was God, that he was lesser. He was not God incarnate. And so Paul starts writing to help this group understand because this teaching was in their area. And he says, let me settle y'all on some stuff. Now, verse 15 of chapter one says this, and I want you, I'm going to go somewhere with this and, and I want you to see it. He says, he, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Number one, uh, stop right here. What, the word image is the word that has two ideas. One idea is the idea of the stamp that's on a coin. Image on a coin. All right? It is not the image. It is an impression. The other idea here is the idea that says, oh, sorry, not just a coin, but also a mirror reflection. So the first idea is the, is the, is the uh, impression, like you would see on a coin, or a mirror idea, a mirror reflection. Then the other idea there is that the image of is actually not just likeness, but is. So what Paul is teaching them is Christ is God. Okay? He is the image the reflection, the impression, the isness of the invisible God. Now watch. What he is really telling us is Christ is the only one that can make an invisible, unknown God visible and known. He is our Christ. So it's our Christ who is now giving us these characteristics, these attributes of the true and living God because Jesus is God incarnate. When you go to our website and you look at our beliefs, you're going to believe that we, you'll see that we believe that Jesus is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. That's what we believe. All right. We do not wrestle with that. We do not uh, discuss or wonder about that. That is what we believe. And so we see here that he is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, which means that Christ is not just firstborn in time, but he is first in supremacy. He is supreme. All right, keep going. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, or on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Let me tell you why 
this particular verse this, uh, uh, deserves a standing ovation. Now think about what it says. Is that everything was made by him. Okay? Now that's one. Back, back up to the, to, uh, uh-huh. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Here's why this is big, though. That which we see, that which we can't see, dominions, thrones, powers, was all created for him. Well, who is the him? Him is Jesus. What do you mean? I thought God, see, this is, this is stuff that people say. Well, I thought God created everything. What do you mean Jesus? See, we don't get into that conversation. We don't get into that conversation because God is Jesus incarnate. Or Jesus is God incarnate. Y'all with me? So what, what, what do you say about that? Well, John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. All right? In the beginning was the Word. This is Jesus. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Yes? So if you believe that, then we have to go back to Genesis 1. And when God said, let there be light, when he said, what did he use? What did he use? He used words. Well, who is the word? Jesus. Let's go back. Let's go back so we can make sure we get it. John 1. 1, 1. I, and listen, this is, this is where I thrive. This is my systematic theology is my thing. All right, so go to John 1, 1, please, Christina. And then we'll go back to Colossians 1. In the beginning was what? And the word was? And the word? Okay. We got that? I'm going to read it one more time. In the beginning was the? And the? Was with God. And the word was? Okay. So then if I go back to Genesis 1, in the beginning, same, listen, same, I'm way out of, out of frame, I'm sorry. Listen, same word phrases, right? Can we go to John 1, 1? I mean, uh, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God. So, Genesis 1, John 1, we see creation all over again. In the beginning, was the word. John says, Genesis 1 says, in the beginning was God. Well, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So now we see in John 1, in the beginning, God. Right? Just shake your head. So then, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. How did he create heaven and earth? Go. The earth was out form and void. It was darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now we see in the text, John 1, I'm sorry, Genesis 1, we see God, we see the Holy Spirit. But we understand the triune nature of God is God the Father, the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? That's the triune nature of God. As it stands now, Genesis 1 and 2, we don't see Jesus. We only see God the Father and the Spirit. Y'all with me? Okay, go to 3. Then God said, welcome Jesus. Jesus comes in. 
Because in one and two, nothing happened. We're just told what was about to happen. We were told what it was happening to, that the world was without form. It was void, all right, darkness. But now the spirit is moving. The spirit says, okay, God, you're here. I'm here. Let's get started. And God said, when word comes out of God, Jesus shows up. Okay, this is, this is, this is what we see uh, in the text where we start seeing Jesus in Old Testament. It's called a Christophany. Everybody say Christophany. Christophany. A Christophany is when we see Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, although we know that he didn't come on the scene until the New Testament. But because he was the word in John 1, he is still the word in Genesis 1. God, I love the Bible. Don't y'all love the Bible? I just love this. So now Jesus has created everything. Go back to Colossians 1, please. So now Jesus is a part of this creation. If you read, I love this too, if you read in uh, Proverbs, you'll find that not only was God at the creation, not only the Holy Spirit at the creation, not only Jesus at the creation, but if you read in Proverbs, we'll find that wisdom was also at the creation. And wisdom in the text of Scripture is personified as a she. That's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing. The women's movement has not been as silent as people think that it was. They just didn't know where it was. Right there in the text. Anyway, so now we find, and I got two minutes, that Jesus has created everything. He has dominion over dominions and principalities and powers. Everything was created through him and for him. This is the reason the text should be celebrated is because of this. Wherever you feel like demons reign, you need to know that Jesus is in charge of them. See, we don't like that kind of talk. We don't like that kind of talk. Remember now, even Satan himself was created by Jesus. But he got full of himself because of how great he was. And instead of giving him glory, he says, I want to be like him. But his like him was in the wrong way like him. Not imitate him. I want some of the glory that he got. I'm going to elevate myself. And so God was like, no, 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 we can't, we can't do that. No, I know you're great. I know you can sing. I know that you're a fantastic musician. But now we can't do this. And so all of what the enemy has plans against you, the reason why Christ needs to be first in everything in your life is because even though dominions, principalities, those things that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against uh, powers and principalities, you know what I'm saying? Jesus is over that. So here is what Old Testament literature teaches us. Old Testament literature teaches us that God uses Satan as a fan to intensify the flames in your life to bring about some purity. I know we don't like that. 
We don't like that. That's Old Testament. Old Testament saying God is in control. That's why Job says, though you slay me, because they believe that anything that happened, God had his hands on. And so then, if it seems like hell is getting hot in your life, that's because God is using Satan. Now, here's the good thing about that. The good thing about that is, as long as Satan is in the hand of God, and God loves me the way he does, nothing is going to kill me. I know, I just, I just wish we all had emojis, so you can give me some emojis, the clap emojis, something, I don't know. Because I know you feel like the stuff you're going through is about to take your life. And the reason we celebrate and have a Christ-centered culture is because it is Christ that says, no, 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 Satan, you don't tell me, I tell you, enough is enough. You don't tell me. Satan couldn't tell God, Tim, that he was going to kill you. Satan couldn't do that. God says, what? You, you don't tell me. I'm going to tell you. You can't have his life. You can have a season. You can't have his life. See, that's why we got a Christ-centered, Christ-first lifestyle. Christ-first. Because Christ, and that's what Paul is writing here in Colossians, he is saying this. Because he created everything, everything was created for him. If you go on in the text, the text is going to tell you he is the head of the church. The thing that, that we, are, we are a part of that gives us life and energy, he is the head of that. And, and because of all of that, he should have preeminence in your life. Satan can't have preeminence because even Satan has to bow to Jesus. So you got some friends? They'd be like, you know, I'm going to say this. Don't be offended. Don't be scared. They'd be like, oh, okay. Even Satan bows to Jesus, so do your thing. <laughs> See, we, we think of Satan as equal power to Jesus. Light and darkness, absolutely not. Darkness doesn't even have power over light. It's no equal. We use it to, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? Contrast. But there is no equal. When you turn on the light, darkness is gone. So darkness is subject to light. So darkness says, I have to resolve to be wherever you don't want to be light. Satan says, I will step in wherever you give me permission to sin or uh, to, to, to bring issue. I'll step in wherever you give me permission, Jesus. So if you see the enemy raising up in your life, don't talk to the enemy. Talk to Jesus. Say, hey, what are we doing about this? Is there something you want me to learn? What do I need to see? Because he's giving me hell over here. But what I know is he has to bow to you. And he ain't no better than me because we both have to bow to you. 
Come on. Come on. So since we both have to bow to you, you live in me, you are the light in me, he's darkness, I don't have to worry about him, I just need to talk to you, what do you want me to learn? Because after all, he is your remote control. How are we doing this? See, we give the devil too much, and see, the devil walks around, look at the text, like as a roaring lion. He's not, but it's a simile. He's like one. And so when he shows up, we say, oh my God, it's a lion. And he's like, oh, they think I'm, I'm going, oh shoot, yeah, yeah, I'm a lion, come on. And then we just keep backing up. When we really need to have Christ first, preeminence in all things, so even in bad situations, you don't back up, you walk too and say, okay, what are we going to do? Because you got to bow to Jesus like I bow to Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. I want to bow. You have to bow. So that's why we have to get back to this Christ first, Christ centered lifestyle. Because when Christ is in front, everything else has to bow. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And see, this ain't, this ain't the name and the claimant theology. This is systematic, foundational theology that says when Christ is in front, everything bows to him. So I'm just going to walk behind you. You stay front. I fight less when you're in front. I sleep more when you're in front. I worry less when you're in front. I smoke less weed when you're in front. I drink less wine when you're in front. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Listen, the day is fastly approaching that they're going to make it legal around here and your friend's going to be smoking weed like they smoke cigarettes, so you need to get, your, get yourself together about that. You got to get yourself together. Some of your friends smoking now and it's illegal. Look how y'all looking. Don't worry, pastor don't smoke weed. All right, never have. I don't even know what it's like to be. I'm scared. I'm scared to be high. I just want y'all to know I don't like it. When I go to the dentist, I don't even get laughing gas. They be like, don't you want to relax? Mm -mm. I want to stay in control so I can punch you in your face when you're digging too hard in my gum. Okay. All right. I'm digressing. So listen, so much more I want to tell you about this, but I don't have time. I want you to remember this, that today... Christ needs to be first in everything because he created everything. And I would rather the creator of everything walk in front of me than for me to try to handle stuff on my own. That's why we established this church, to teach people how to replace a self-centered life with a Christ-centered life. It starts with how I think about the isness of Jesus Christ. He made everything, and everything was made for him. Watch it. Come on, Edge. Come on. Listen. He made it, and it was made for him. Which means, if he made it, and it was made for him, 
He knows how to handle, how to fix, how to arrange whatever was made because it was made for him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So even the not so good situations are going to bring him glory because everything was made for him. That's why the text of scripture says, and we know that all things work together for the good of them who are called by his name, who are called, who are called to him for his purpose, for his plan, every situation. So make your life Christ-centered. See, we come here for Calibrate Moments. I think right now I feel like my car needs the uh, alignment because I have hit. It's like potholes are a magnet for my car. I don't care how bad. I, it's like, I don't even see them sometimes. They just appear at the last minute. And if I do this real fast, I'm going to hit somebody. Boom. And I feel like my car needs an alignment. So how do I check it? I take my hands off the wheel and see which way it pulls. God said, take your hand off the wheel. Let's see which way you pull. And let me come in and calibrate your life. Because all the stuff, even the potholes, were made for me. How does that work? Y'all, let's stand. How does that work exactly? How does a, a life pothole How's that working for God? You know why? Whatever you go through is designed for him to show you more of him and for you to give him more glory. He wants you to know that everything you're going through, great, small, bad, good, whatever the contrast, light, dark, he made it all. So don't let what God has control of have control of you.